your profile should not be built like a resume because most times that's not how people are looking. They're looking for the story of your life. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm Rick Jordan, your host. Today, I'm excited because I know this dude. He actually helps me a lot on LinkedIn. That's an understatement, but an entrepreneur, business owner, author, coach, marketer, and a very blessed husband and father. Built his career in online marketing, which is awesome. Created standout authority to work with entrepreneurs. And the goal, his goal is to humanize their professional brand on LinkedIn using authentic and inspirational engagement. I've experienced this myself and they call him the dopamine dealer of LinkedIn. Joshua Lee, what's up? Rick, can't complain, my friend. I'm here with you, and uh, you know, it's, it's all about what we can have, actually have a real conversation today and be able to see where it goes. I know, I like that. That's what I'm going for is the real conversation. You know, because it's, uh, we're gonna talk about LinkedIn for sure. And that, that's, if we do, we do, you yeah. know? I mean, it's, uh, it's what you and I do together, but, uh, at the same time, man, I mean, I know your audience is diverse, so I mean, I'm happy to be able to dive in as many different topics as uh, as we lead down that path. Good. So my first question for you is the paintings behind you. So if you're not, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or something, hop over to YouTube real quick and look at the paintings. So what's the deal with those? Yeah. All right. So this is, I, I had these paintings commissioned by a friend of mine here in Austin and the reason behind them. So what it is, is this is the female and the male ethos. And I always kind of, based on how we, I went through a whole meditation and went through Sam, and basically what it was, was this what came out after the painting. And what I want to be able to do is always be able to understand that there's two sides of every coin. And by me, as you see of me sitting in between them, it always understands that I'm understanding both sides as I'm actually being able to got, make decisions, provide value, whatever that is. It's really, really important for me. That's cool. How, is that a big thing for you is like visual aids to keep your mind on track? hundred percent, man. I mean, it's one of the biggest things for me, um, you know, just like with most entrepreneurs, you know, I was diagnosed, well, this is way back when, when they only had ADD, they've added a couple other, you know, <laughs> a couple other couple letters, other in, letters there. in there, <laughs> but that seems to be the case across. A yeah. Lot of yeah, man. So, you know, they added those couple letters and, uh, but you know, being able to actually visualize what we're actually going for. I look back at my life where I was just concentrated on one thing, which was monetizing, making money. This is what a lot of us were taught as, you know, as young men, right? You've got to be able to make that your focus. And, you know, I built so many different companies and I truly only had that focus and I forgot about the other things that were going on in my life. And it was being able to have a visualization about where I'm going, not just where I'm at is so key and being able to be able to create the future that I want to be able to create for not only for myself, for my kids, for your kids, for everybody's right. So there's something you were talking about, you know, able to create the future and visualize that future, which I think is very, very important. There's a, there's a struggle that I've had, and I've started to work on this just as of the re past recent months, is that me visualizing the future, a lot of times I would almost even just like live in the future at the expense of the now. How do you make sure that you stay present when you're still trying to create this Ooh, future? Such a good thing, because the average person, right, they're even living in their past of what they believe that was what made them who they are, or they're actually worried about where they're going, and they forget to be able to pay attention to where they're at. And, you know, most of us have to be able to realize to appreciate the moments. And how I am able to stay in that is to appreciate the little things. 
and what's going on, right? These are the pieces that I think we miss out on. You know, we, I think we all as humanity, you know, appreciate little things so much more than we ever have, right? After going through COVID, after going through this reset, you know, I appreciate being able to go outside without wearing a mask, being able to be able to go on dinner dates with my wife without any issue. Or honestly, one of the biggest things that I underappreciated that I appreciate now is I appreciated when my kids went to school rather than just going to the other room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you there. I was thinking through that a lot, you know, and just the dynamics of most households. You know, my kids started at home schooling with the virtual academy before COVID, you know, pulled them out of public school. So it wasn't as hard of a transition for us, like a sudden one, it was planned, you know, but I can only imagine the family dynamics or the household dynamics when that just suddenly happens, you know, especially for moms and dads that might have to go to work, some depend on childcare and everything else. But yeah, how, what state are you in? I'm in Texas. I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, dude, so I'm yes, a Texas your kids boy are back born at school now. Yeah. They are. My daughter is, uh, my son hasn't started going back yet, but I mean, it's all based on different things, right? These are the, like, I talked about having ADD. Well, my son has higher functioning ADHD. My daughter has dyslexia. So we've learned too certain things. You talk about visualization. My son loves meditation while my daughter loves positive affirmation. But with that, getting her back in school with dyslexia was so difficult trying to be able to learn on the computer and being able to go through these classes. They're just not made for that. So we've put her back in a little bit earlier than we probably would have um, just because it was more beneficial to her. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense too. I'm really hoping, you know, and I don't want to go on this tangent for too long, but I'm really hoping, man, that this really just catapults a new age in education across our country and just a huge reform as far as the methods of education and how the ways a hundred years ago, you know, like you were saying, most people either live in their past or the, the future, well, fricking right now is right now, and a lot of crap happened last year that needs to, it could be the catalyst for really positive change in education. So let's live in the now and actually make some positive changes. Yeah, man, I, I 100%, I say all the time, like we just went through one of the biggest resets in our history as humanity, you know, at least for our generation, right? And, you know, whatever we thought the next 40 years was going to be like, we've actually had a, a full reset. We now, as entrepreneurs, have more power than we've ever had in our history to truly create the next 40 years and to be able to create it the right way because we were going down a path that really was really going to be very destructive over a time for Yeah, yeah. I hear you, brother. So here's a question for you, a little bit more yeah. professional, but this is fun, right? <laughs> the dopamine dealer of LinkedIn. Dude, where the heck did that nickname come from? <laughs> it, it came from another podcast, right? I was talking about some of the strategies the strategies that I use like on LinkedIn and I was like, yeah, you know, it's people are looking for these dopamine hits and I was going through it. And uh, when they released the podcast, it was listening on the dopamine dealer of LinkedIn. I'm like, Ooh, I like that. They're right. I mean, this is what I'm doing um, because everything is about being human, right? Being human online. And that's what we're trying to be able to do is to humanize that brand. And we all, as human beings, look for these little dopamine hits. We're actually conditioned to be able to look for them on, on platforms. And so we just kind of play with that. And actually, really, the more we're able to give those dopamine hits, the better we're actually able to put someone to a flow state when you're having a real conversation with them online, that it makes it easier for the conversation to go rather than trying to use more brain power to understand what's this person trying to sell me. That's brilliant. You know, it's funny how things like that come out on podcasts and they end up sticking too, right? 
It's why I love them, man. You I know. never know what you're going to say. Yeah, I had something <laughs> earlier. Uh, it was uh, on a previous episode just a couple hours ago because I batch these, right? I do five of these a day. For those of you listening, it's actually a smart way to do it. It works well for me rather than trying to feel like you always do podcasts and nothing else. So I, I dedicate whole days to this. But it came out and I said, it's not about the services or products that I sell. It's about the outcomes that I provide. You know, and when I was talking about this, the, the dude was like, oh, I like that. And he's in my industry, too. And later on, he's like, yeah, I heard your sales pitch. And of course, I bought it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, that's the first time I ever said it, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was, it was right now on the show. But I'm like, but it's sticking. Oh, yeah, it's sticking. <laughs> well, those are those things, right, Rick? I mean, like people go in and, you know, everyone, especially online, they're always trying to talk about their shiny object, right? No one cares about your shiny object. They care about the outcome, maybe, of what your shiny object does. And so many people are like, hey, here's the service I provide. Buy it. No, it's all about what does the service provide that actually what's the outcome? People buy and make decisions emotionally. We, most marketers just, you know, are not, most people are actually going through and trying to sell the service, not the outcome. Yeah. And that's got to translate even into the messages on LinkedIn too, that you use, you know, cause uh, just straight up full disclosure, Joshua's company manages my LinkedIn profile, you know, and I love this because I mean, I'm dude, I'm transparent as hell about everything in my life. You know, it's just how it is. I don't have the bandwidth. My team doesn't have the bandwidth, nor are we experts in this. So we engage Joshua's team to help manage a lot of the conversations and the conversations that I personally hate receiving are these dissertations about, hey, this is what I can sell you. You know, and here's my product and service. This is what I do. And that's the first ever communication that I have with that individual in a DM is exactly that to where they're like pummeling me over the head rather than making the connection and the relationship first and then just letting it flow naturally. You know, how do you shift that? Because you're talking about outcomes, but what? What's like the type of messaging that's so unique to you that you use? Because it's brilliant, by the way, you know, to where you're starting to just target those outcomes rather than just going through like a bullet point resume list of your freaking sales or service card. Well, Rick, let's talk about it, man. I mean, like kind of what we do with you and things like that as well, right? I mean, with, with all of our clients, it's about going through, right? Every single person in this world, I don't care who you are, where you are, where you come from, if you're posting online, we all post online for one reason, and we're all conditioned to be able to do this, right? We're all in this comment, like, share, post, comment, like, share, post, right? We've been conditioned to be in these patterns. And you and I know, based on, you know, just being in the industry as long as we have, you've got to create stop gaps and patterns, right? You've got to be able to create that stop gap for someone to listen. And so where I talked about appreciated, appreciation and starting with that, that's exactly how we do it. We look on LinkedIn to be able to, first and foremost, identify who that ideal person is, right? Who, who is the ideal audience we really want to talk to? And if they're, then we look and see if they're actually posted on LinkedIn in the last 30 days. And then we go in and do those things that they're looking for, right? And this is why we became the dopamine dealer. Everyone wants, when they post online, you can say, I post online for branding, for awareness, to get clients. But we all post online to be able to get those little hits of dopamine we all get when someone likes or comments on our posts. Because that goes, they're like, yes, they approve, right? We're looking for that, that approval that we've been conditioned to look for. So we're actually flipping that around and, and going right. Most marketers go for the hook and that dopamine hit at the end. We're putting people right in that front flow state, which is I'm going to engage on their content. I'm going to comment. Then I'm going to reach out and say, hey, Rick, man, I saw your recent post on dark web stuff, right? 
really, really appreciate the value. I, I see the alignment of what you're doing here. I'd love to be able to connect with you. Thank you so much for adding value to the platform. Boom. I love that because that, that's, I've always seen DMs, right? Whether it's on LinkedIn or anything else, very akin to text messaging. Yeah, so I, I've thought, I've always thought this is like, I would never send somebody paragraphs about what I can do and, you know, try to sell them over a text message. It's supposed to be a freaking real life conversation. And that's what I love about the messaging that we've developed for me is that it is my voice. It is literally me that, des <laughs> that designed it with you guys for the messages to put out there. You know, even what's shaking in there, what, what I say all the time, because that's, exactly, all that. yeah. that's exactly what I would say, you know, even on a text message or something like that. Cause it's, a, I always like treating those DMS as if you have that person's mobile number as if you already know them, you know, and I've seen too, that this works no matter. Cause dude, I, I don't look at the amount of likes or anything like that anymore, you know, cause it, that's, that's not the level that I'm playing in right now. I'm playing and still trying to, I'm focused more on the outcomes, right? And not the dopamine hit. I'm focused on, can I establish meaningful connection, bring value so that this becomes a collaborative partnership in the way of a customer client or coaching, whatever scenario, that way we can be involved in that person's life in some meaningful way. You know? And even from that, that's how everything's approached. But no matter what level you're on, and this I think most people need to understand too, those likes that you get, everybody loves seeing that. So whether you have like hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram like I do, or you know, 10,000 or whatever on LinkedIn, I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even look at that anymore, you know? <laughs> we got you, don't worry. I know, right? Yeah. It's growing every day. <laughs> For sure. But, but that's the thing is that no matter how big or small you are, this is a process that I'm sure you could start right now. Right. And anyone can be able to start this process. It's going through, right? I mean, the last time that someone actually reached out to appreciate someone for posting, we all take so much time and effort to be able to create this content or we have teams to be able to do that for them. So when they get that level of appreciation, it gives that feeling. It's those endorphins to be able to feel good. So we're doing that same thing when someone takes in. I mean, Rick, I'll tell you, um, one of my clients, Dan Sullivan, right? So strategic coach has been around forever. This one time, I mean, we reach out on everyone's behalf too. If someone likes or comments on your post, we want to appreciate them for something they've never been appreciated for. Reach out and go, hey, Rick, saw you like my post, man. I just want to take two seconds out and say thank you. When you do that, when you appreciate someone for those things as well that they take for granted, it again creates those stop gaps. And we did this one time, <clears throat> excuse me, for Dan. And it's one of those messages, and this is why I know I love what I do because it's not always just about selling someone, it's about building advocacy and being able to build those relationships because the person, how he responded stays with me forever because we said, thank you for liking my post. Love to find out what pushed you to engage on it. And his response was, Dan, thank you so much. You'll never know what this means to me. Today I'd planned on this being my last, but by you showing me to appreciate the little things that I took for granted, gave me new hope for this world. Thank you. I will push on. Wow. And all we did was say thank you, right? Yeah. That's it. It was a simple thank you, but we changed the trajectory of that person's life by disacknowledgement. And that's what it's all about, right? Being able to bring you and I, we've always been human. We're just doing it online now. It's such a crazy concept. Just being able to have conversations with somebody. Dude, I love that. On Instagram, I, I do uh, giveaways every Friday. And it's $100 giveaways. I mean, it's just cash. You know, it gets sent via PayPal. 
And of course, there's strategy behind that. From my side, again, authenticity is, you know, that builds followership. Followership, you know, that way they tag other people, they put them in the comments, and other people tag it. They get entered in the giveaway. It's cool. But dude, the DMs that I see that come out of this too is like, oh my God, thank you. You have no idea what this means in my life. I had this medical bill just come up, and I had no idea. I mean, I'm only talking a hundred dollars, right? I, I had no idea that I would win this, but this medical bill came up and this is going to cover that. Or something else saying, you know, this is this will allow me to make my rent this month. This is after they win it, you know, or this will help me with food this week for my kids because we're really struggling right now. It's and, all perspective. Dude, it's insane. It's amazing. And I see that and it's like, what's that? Because, I mean, that's $400 a month, you know. And again, transparency, there's strategy behind it to gain followers. but why the heck would I ever stop it when I see how much good I'm doing? Because it's something small that I can do just a, from a philanthropic perspective. And now, dude, my heart gets filled every time I see these DMs. And Rick, this is why you and I connected the first place, because we had that ability. We, we want to be able to not just, we want what we're doing to be able to change people's lives, right? It's not just about what we do. We want what we want the outcome of what we're doing and how we do it to be able to create these ripple effects. And then that's the biggest problem. I think that most people do it. They're just concentrating on, okay, how do I make, how do I make this sale? And they're not concentrating on how they're doing it. They're okay with the spamming a thousand people and getting that one sale and okay with upsetting or pissing off 999 people. And you and I going through to be able to do this, it's all about, even if we're changing that one life, we're still making those other 999 people advocates because we're treating one like real human beings with that respect. And that ripple effect changes so much that most people never even see or think about. It's awesome. There's always a very personal side to sales and anything you do and a personal side to business. I, uh, there is something that I teach my team though, because I feel that if you lead with the personal, a lot of times it actually kind of kills the confidence level that some will have in you because it's almost like a disrespect of their time. And I, I've just been going through this with some, some new team members this week too. It's like, always keep the business up front whenever you're having these communications, you know, because uh, it's, it's very straight up. I mean, even though you're appreciating the post and that's great, you're hitting them with the dopamine. But then I know that the sequence of the messaging we have, we go right into, can I provide you some business value? 100%, yeah, because I mean, what it is, man, it's what we're going through on our side, like the things that I do, it's just the things that my mom taught me how to treat other human beings when I was a kid. We're just doing it online and helping people like yourself to be able to do that as well. So it goes in, right? We're appreciating them for the engagement. Then we're going in and rather than pitching right out the gate, we do do an endorsement, right? We're going to give them that compliment, which allows that conversation to kind of flip. We're like, hey, Rick, thank you so much for the endorsement. Now we can ask them a qualifying question, right? Rather than just giving where everyone goes unsolicited advice, we can ask a business qualifying question so we know where they're at. So you and I can provide value exactly in that place rather than assuming where they're at. And being able to take people through these multiple touch points, it builds a relationship rather than just a lead. And then you're able to be able to go in there and be able to provide them that value exactly where and be able to make it a very human and business combination that allows that opportunity to be able to really result in amazing opportunity. Are salespeople human? Some are. <laughs> I would hope. Well, unless you get the robot, right? You always, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, Rick, I see you're wearing a black shirt. 
me too. We should connect. And you're like, yeah, this person's going <laughs> to Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I still see some of these messages on there, man. Sometimes like, uh, what is it? It's like, oh, we have some connections in common. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's real human. Oh, oh, yeah, really? Tell me which one. <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I used I used to get the people all the time. I remember one time, this is when, you know, pre-COVID, when we were actually able to speak on stages. I was on a stage, and I and I, I somehow I looked at my phone, like, right before I, I got on, we started talking. And it was, hey, Joshua B. Because on LinkedIn, my first name is Joshua B. Because I want to be able to pick up that automation, right? Because they're just scraping that first name. Hello, bot. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joshua B. Have you ever thought about, I personally looked at your profile. Have you ever thought about using LinkedIn to get leads? And then it's like, one, you didn't. I can tell right off the bat. And then you're just doing this. If you had looked, you probably know exactly what I did. And that's just, these are those things that we see going through. And you and I, the type of people that we deal with at the same time are very high level, high thinking individuals. So if we know if we see an ad, we know if we're in a funnel, we know if we're on automation. So the people that we work with, know these things too. I've seen it over the 20 years that I've been in this industry. Humans aren't stupid. They actually will fall for the tricks for a while, but then they catch on. And then this is where every six months we see the next salesperson go, okay, well, I got to figure out the next trick. Well, if you're just paying attention to that human algorithm and understanding how to connect with other human beings on the level that they're at, you don't have to find the next trick. You just have to evolve with that algorithm and just like another human being. I love that. Then, of course, there's those times to where they just completely blunder it, which is hilarious to me, too. You know, I got, I got an email the other day that I saw. And then this isn't LinkedIn, but the email is the first time. Dude, I, I'm going to post this to a story somewhere because I screenshot it. Right. And it was like, hey, Rosanna. I'm like, oh, that's a new one. <laughs> yes. I, I always like the hey hashtag name. Yes. <laughs> like you, you didn't get your automation. In yeah, there. I was like, where'd Rosanna come from? I mean, that's. <laughs> But, you know, brother, we'll go in and I mean, we'll even make a couple of spelling mistakes a lot of times, too, because that's that's a human thing. I want people to come in and, you know, come back in and be like, oh, you, hey, thank you so much. You know, you know how it is. It just kind of goes through. I mean, like we love the I mean, when you came back in and this is where it's so hard, like I work with a lot of clients when you were like, I want to kick it off with what's shaking. I'm like, heck, yeah, this is awesome. Because it's really shining through. Because some people are like, no, I just want to do that. I'm like, so you want to speak at someone rather than with someone? Would you really say this to someone in real life? And it's it's not. It's You and I see it all the time. It'd be so robotic. Yep, yep. Oh, dude, even when you're in the green room with Ryan, my production engineer today, you're like, I knew you weren't Rick, even though it's dark, because you didn't lead it off with what's shaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the real, It's the realness of it, you know? And that's what people are looking for right now. More than ever, we're gonna we're seeing a shift to that H stage, that human to human connection that people are looking for. They want to be able to get away from brands. Um, you know, Rick, this is just like if I went in and said three different car brands to you, I guarantee you a person's gonna shine out out of all three. If I said Tesla, Mercedes, and Porsche, what human being jumps into your head? Oh, it'd be Elon. Yeah, right, right. away. Yep, because it's a person. So, and unless you're a car guy. Can you tell me who the CEO of Porsche or Mercedes and those brands have been around for a heck of a lot yeah, longer? Yeah. You just can't do it. And this is right what on. we're starting to see, right? People are looking to be able to connect with those other human beings that are behind the brand. And we're seeing this shift more and more right now. Yeah. My, my team always dogs me because I always bring up this dude, but John Ledger, when he was the CEO of T-Mobile, yeah, same principle. 
That's hundred percent. I use I use that a hundred times too, man. The I slow love that. cooker guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how everyone connected with him. It's like, oh, he's somebody I can relate to. So, to, so he's somebody that I can absolutely. Well, Rick, we're gonna have from. to get you on with John. He's uh, we're connected on Clubhouse these days, nice. and he jumps in our rooms all the time. So that's awesome. If you ever want to connect with him, he's he's on there often. Sharing. I'd love so to. Yeah, we've unique. talked just a couple of times. We've met in person here and there, but you know, it's a. Uh, his way of just shifting things and how he was able to turn around the culture in the company was just absolutely incredible. Massively. Yeah. T-Mobile should have never been around. And he took a stand, he drew a line in the sand and said, look, you know what? I understand that human beings are emotional creatures and they either ma they make decisions based on some degree of love or hate. They do not make decisions being indifferent towards a person or a company. And so if you're going to be able to do that, don't be in, you know, have someone love or hate you. If you're indifferent, you're just wasting their time and you're also wasting yours. And that's the one resource that should be the most valuable. We can't get back. Right. On. He did that. He did it really well. He sure did. I loved it too. When I, I was contrasting uh, Zuckerberg and John Ledger because they both had been to Senate hearings, you know, and this was also the image, right? Because I think it was probably the first time Zuckerberg put on a suit in like 20 years. <laughs> and he showed, he showed up at the Senate hearing, you know, with, with, when they're dogging him on Facebook, you know, I mean, then the questions were just stupid. And I, he was, it was big WTF moments for him with the questions he was getting. But seeing the image, you know, he dressed up, you know, it was a nice navy blue suit with a, with a little bit brighter blue tie. But then there's John Ledger, who was still just him. He still brought the authentic John Ledger, who's wearing the leather jacket and the T-Mobile magenta t-shirt in front of freaking Congress, right? <laughs> and that was for the Sprint merger, you know, to, to advocate for bringing Sprint into the T-Mobile umbrella. And he was still him. He was still real and authentic. And that's what everybody's looking for these days. I hope people are paying attention to this. I mean, you know, it's, honestly, this is a podcast you and I just kind of hanging out, talking about different things, which is awesome. But I, I think those are the most powerful because it's, where you, where you see in an authentic conversation, people forget to be able to do that online. When you see things like what you were just talking about with John and being in front of Congress, if you're able to pick up on these different pieces, there's a, there's a, there's a line that goes through all of them. And it's that human algorithm that most people forget about. And it's just that authenticity. And it's not the, the fake marketer on like, you know, I'm going to be so authentic and be able to share my story. Everyone kind of gets that, right? They're always like, wow, you're just playing up a moment in your life that probably wasn't that big of a deal, but you really just overexpanded on it. That's fake authenticity. You can really tell when someone shows up and they're just being them, being you. And that's representative of not only yourself, but your actually company at the same time. And more people need to be able to do that. They need to not only hot, you know, shine a light on you or I, right? They we're the we're the front men for the companies, but we have so many people like we were talking about before. You know, I've talked to Ashley, being able to bring them in, those are all their multiple touch points within your company. That even though let's say someone's coming in talking to our company, they might not resonate with you and I, but maybe they resonate with Ashley on your team, right? And so they're like, oh, there's that connection. Cause humans look for those commonalities. They're looking for those people that are gonna take you from what I call the door to the couch mentality, right? If I'm sitting out there. We all remember the back of the day, the sell me the pen thing, right? If I'm knocking on your door and I'm like, hey, I'm Joshua Lee. I'm here to sell you that, you know, do, especially during COVID, you've already got the door shut on me. But, you know, Rick, if you and I are sitting there on the couch, we're hanging out, we've built that kind of a connection. There's some kind of commonality that put me on your couch. And I'm like, Rick, brother, look, I, I got this new pen. I don't have to say anything more than that. 
you're going to take it from me. Like, bro, tell me, what do you love about this pen? And now you're always doing is talking about the value. And that's the biggest thing that people are looking for. And that's what we've got to be able to do with that true authenticity. Oh, yeah. It's tying the emotion side to it, too. You're talking about the pen. I remember reading something about Mike Rowe, you know, Dirty Jobs and Mike Rowe. And because he started on QVC. You know, he was, uh, he sang in the opera, you know, only to get his way into SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> it was like a backdoor way to get in there without having to be sponsored. So, and the dude's got a great voice too. But in the, when I heard him tell this story, when I met him, he was talking about how he would take his breaks from rehearsal and opera and he would go try out for these sales gigs or something on TV. So QVC was the, his way to get on the TV too. But they said, here, sell me this pencil. You know, and look up this story. We'll find it and put it in the show notes. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I, he told it live and saying, he's like, hmm, feel the weight. I don't remember what the brand, but he's like the Thompson number two pencil. He's like, imagine the way that thing just glides across the piece of paper. So when you're writing that Dear John letter, you don't want to use the number one pencil. That's too thin. You need to put meaning behind your words and use the weight of the number two. The way that he was able to do this was just incredible because he was tying realism to it, to real life situations and bringing authenticity to this product that otherwise is just a freaking piece of wooden lead. Yeah, but Rick, that brings it back to the beginning when you and I first started this whole conversation, right? Visual, visualization, being able to go in as you were saying that. I could hear Mike's voice in my head. I could actually visualize holding a pencil. And so these are those, I love how, you know, conversations just come back around because it ties back into the first things you and I were talking about. For sure, brother. I love how you're able to translate that online too, because it, you can see the authenticity there. And it's good because we're talking about the real of, I guess, the real of sales and the real of online sales today. If we gave this thing a title, I don't even know if that's going to be it, but you know, who knows that I, um, I was talking with Charlie who introduced us the other day too. And we were talking about the authenticity the authenticity and telling those stories and how some people have those canned stories, right? And you can just tell that there's just no emotion behind them or anything like that. I think that's important also because we, we went through this exercise for me and for the company and my team was picking out words about me, you know, to, to put into like the core values of the company so that they actually mean something. So they're not just words on a wall that people just pick out of their heads or their butts and then just never think about them again. And then they just look pretty. That's exactly it. And we came up with the three words, confident, authentic, and passionate. And when we were telling Charlie these things, she's like, we're going to use this in everything. I'm like, well, I'm glad you like, she's like, the only reason we're using it in everything, Rick, is because I can tell that you believe them. And this is actually you because <laughs> she doesn't pull punches either. I mean, there's stuff no. she's just told no, me that, no, 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 that's no. just, dude, yeah. never do that. I'm like, okay, fine. But she's like, you believe this and you embody this. And that's even in the messaging that comes across in LinkedIn that I sent to you. You know, the, that's the, it, man. People can see through that these days. You know, oh, if you can see through it, if I can see through it, like this is the whole thing that I always see in, in, in the industry, right? They're like, oh, like, I'm going to, you know, this is the next trick I'm going to use. And I'm like, if you, I guess if you're trying to go after an audience that's uneducated and not going to be able to, but I believe that the, you know, the world is growing at a very fast pace and what people understand online is getting drastically, you know, more advanced. So these little things to be trying to trick someone, if you trick someone into a, a sale, 
you've got to keep on selling them every single time. But if you educate, you know, and really drive them in and really excite them to be able to work with you, they choose to be able to do that. And it's such a drastic difference in being able to have that LTV, that lifetime value of that client. No doubt. And, you know, things like Facebook and LinkedIn, they're well over 15 years old now. Yeah, so, and you still see these same tactics that some people were using 15 years ago, but everybody's wisened up to it since then. And now you think about, let's say even a 25 year old, right? 15 years ago, they were 10. They weren't using LinkedIn or Facebook, but they're coming into the world already knowing the old tricks. Oh yeah. I mean, they grew up with it, right? I mean, these are the things like it's, I talk about the different companies. I mean, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I, I used to, uh, you know, one of my first clients was MySpace. Sometimes they're like, who? And I'm like, wow, okay, I feel a little bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we had to learn these things. And like they're going through and seeing them for what they are. So it's, you can't go through, there's no tricks involved. It's like, how do you actually drive them in? And they're looking, they're becoming the future. Like we talk about LinkedIn millennials. There are, you know, I think right now, the last time I looked at over 70 million of the almost 800 million people on there are millennials. And those are business decision makers. They're becoming the next decision makers. And you don't have to go to TikTok or Snapchat or any of these other ones. Like I probably sound old because like, they're like, oh, they're listening. It's like, oh, we don't use those anymore. That <laughs> was like if so I said, six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> like if I said Facebook, they were like, oh no, yeah. only my parents use House Facebook. party, that was good for like two months last year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but you know, these are those things, right? I mean, like they're on there. They're the next generation of as business decision makers are on LinkedIn. So you don't have to go and search for them. And that's what the whole piece is, right? Like, where's your audience? What are they going to do? And you have to be able to be staying towards the times. They're going to see through the different tricks of what's everyone's going on. You talked about LinkedIn being 15 years old. You're right. It has. I was listening to editor in chief the other day. And he was like, look, I think we're in the infancy of where we're going. Like he thinks the company is still at its infancy and it's been going for 15 plus years of where they're taking this and what they foresee that platform where it's going to go. And I mean, people go, oh, I go to LinkedIn to get a job. I go, well, man, you're missing out because if you built your platform as a resume and you, you are looking for a job, that's great. If you're not, your profile should not be built like a resume because most times that's not how people are looking. They're looking for the story of your life. They're not looking to be able to go and say, oh, let's say if you were just like, oh, Rick Jordan, my, my, my name is I'm podcast host, right? Were you born that? No, there's a whole thing, man. You've got to be able to tell the story of how Rick became the master podcast host, how you became who you are and what you're doing because they want to be able to see that. They want to see themselves in their story like mine. I go all the way back to being, if you look at my LinkedIn, it shows me all the way back as a, a servers at Chili's, right? Way back in the day. And people are like, dude, I worked at Chili's uh, too. I'm like, I got to throw like, McDonald's yeah, up there now, brother. Super <laughs> <laughs> I started in the drive-thru, you know. <laughs> but, you know, these are those things though. But I mean, it's about being, being able to tell that story and that relatability because that's what people are looking for. And, and this is the number one. LinkedIn's a platform. It's the number one trusted social media platform out there. And so they want to be able to go in. They're looking to be able to understand who they trust and how they trust. And it's, it's, if they're looking for people that are just straight up trying to trick them into a sale, they're, getting, they're too savvy on that now. 
So they're looking for the people that are telling a story that are real, that are wrong, that are going to go through and be able to help them achieve the results. They don't care about the service. They care about the results that they're going to get on the other side. That's awesome. You, you talked about clubhouses a little bit, you know, when you were talking about John being on there. And that's something that I haven't gone into with both feet yet. You know, I've been on there a couple of times, actually with you too, with, with Sir Ronald Cohen. Yeah, he was on the show a little bit ago too. It was awesome. And Clubhouse, you know, I, I'm, while it's a good happening thing right now, we're talking about like the longevity of these things. At least that's where my brain's going. Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, Twitter has had a rocky several years, you know, kind of ups and downs. And that's just, you know, Jack Dorsey is just, I don't think he knows the direction that the company wants to go. And you can see that. I mean, hey, he just sold his first tweet as an NFT for, uh, I think, $2.3 million, which is great, which is the next other, and we could go on a whole thing about that too. But, you know, yeah, you were going, you were talking about Clubhouse. Yeah, where's the longevity? Because, I mean, like House Party, right? Like that was two two weeks last year or something like that. Everybody hopped on it at the beginning of COVID, and then it just kind of died out. You know, and there's other... Parlor was a different story because there's obviously a lot of political charge around that too. And they're gone now too. They are, yeah. So Clubhouse is interesting to me. Just, you know, I could almost see, and I've been thinking about this, it's like, that's almost like a, it seems like a function to me. It doesn't really seem like it can be a standalone and have sustainability in it. Almost like, like LinkedIn could maybe go and acquire Clubhouse and that tech and integrate it into their platform because it is very- It's interesting you say that because that's where people say that that would be the best platform to actually acquire them. Absolutely, because it's the, it's the credibility that LinkedIn has right now. And they don't have this functionality, but they don't even have, because Facebook, when House Party came out, right? Facebook tried to create their rooms, you know, to also compete with Zoom that was out there to get business people, business people on Facebook, come on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> having meetings on Facebook, you know, what? that's great. Good job, Zuck. That was a huge fail. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to ban this show. On you know, Instagram, I'll tell but... you though, I, I think Clubhouse might have the, some juice behind it. It's got more juice than others because you're talking about, yeah. you're talking about like, look, Instagram and Facebook have already said they're going to try and come up with something. Twitter's already working on Twitter spaces. I've played around with it a little bit. The biggest thing about it is that it's not either, right? You're not going to see an Elon Musk. I mean, you don't see him on these other big platforms. He's been on Clubhouse. We're seeing people come in into even Zuck came on and did a Clubhouse room, right? Because it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to Twitter because I'm not backing a company that I'm not on. He doesn't spend much time on LinkedIn, but they're going to this platform and you're not paying for them. You're getting access to people like Sirani. Like, you know, he's not spending time on a lot of other platforms. It's, you're going to have to, to be able to get a lot of these guys, especially like guys like yourself to be able to be on there. You know, we're used to being able to be paid a lot of money to be able to be on these platforms, be able to go in and people are actively going in there. We've been kind of looking at the stats. I mean, between you and I, man, I mean, we've got a couple of different tools on the backside that are looking up between you and I. I'm talking on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you and I right but, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Next but, you week. know, you're looking at this, like that, that room that, you know, I held for Sir Ronnie, you know, we had at any given time, it was one hour. It showed that in the audience, there was 250 to 300 people in the audience. When we pulled the stats afterwards, we actually looked at the amount of people that rolled through that room. We were a little over 900 people within that hour that were in and out of that room. And during that time from the average stick rate was around 14 minutes. Now, I'm telling you right now, 
you and I, and a lot of people listening right now, I have probably paid a heck of a lot of money to be able to have someone sit around for 15 seconds to watch their video on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever it is. So to get someone to even listen to you for 14 minutes, you know, and be able to get, I mean, we just went through COVID. We haven't, I, I haven't personally been in a room with 800 people in a while. So, you know, until, until Clubhouse came around. So I think there's opportunity for them to go. We'll see where they go. The technology, I mean, you're a tech guy, so you get it. It's not like rocket science, what they built on there. It's very basic stuff, but the ability of what they've got going on, they've, they've, they were able to you know, garner a, a very high level audience. They made it very invite only. And it's, it, it's before they released it to the public, it was the perfect dopamine dealer. Talking about being a dopamine dealer, I mean, invite only. You have to be live if you miss it. You miss it. And you have the opportunity to be able to jump on stages with guys like you, me, Sir Ronnie, Charlie, other people that we know. I mean, I've shared the stages now with like Grant Cardone, with all of the sharks. Um, you know, I mean, I've been on with, you know, Jack Dort. I mean, like with, with John. I mean, those all those people, like I've never, I haven't shared the stage with these guys. But now I've been sharing this virtual stage and I can have real conversations with them in front of a thousand people. That's pretty unique and different that I've never seen before. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, right on. I know it's eaten up a lot of time. I was at a mastermind group a couple of weeks ago and one dude even got a dedicated iPhone just for Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Apple's winning by, by far right now. Hell yeah. With all <laughs> of, I, there's people out there that I know that have just gotten iPads just to be on that platform. And there's not an app in history so far that has has had usage like they're getting they're getting people to stay on that app cont continuously for an average of 12 to 14 hours a day i mean it's disrupting like if i get a voice like a message like a dm on instagram that's voice like i have to make a decision if i want to get off a of clubhouse to actually listen to this voice message or listen to a video because like i want to be i can look at the other websites i can look at linkedin but it's a video without captions I'm, I'm like, if I'm on, you know, clubhouse in a room, I, I'm kind of going back and forth going, well, so I think it's going to be a disruption to a little bit in the audio space. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, and see. Well, you and I are going to have a lot of fun on it. Yeah, I have no are. doubt. We're going to do some rooms, bring some people in. I can't wait for it. I love it. I love it. So there's one thing that I would like to bring up, you know, it's yeah. kind of like in your bio, I don't know where it's from, but being a tech guy, you know, I heard that you created a dark website like eight to nine years ago. I told that to Ashley, you know, it's, it's, and these are the things that kind of come through. So, <laughs> so yeah, man, it's, this was a while back and I wish I could say I created it. Right. I, we kind of went through and my, my CTO kind of went through and we created a web of servers to be able to go in and to be able to search, be able to kind of find out what was going on. We had different clients that were coming in. We were running a PR company and it was really to be able to kind of figure out what was going on. What, what's really going in there? Like what you do on that platform, like, you know, Ashley did the search for us the other day and I'm, I was so, I, I knew it, I knew it was going to happen. Of course, the, the two hits that come back, it's like, well, it's your full, full name, Josh. I was like, this, this is probably why I should have never said do it because I knew I was going to be the problem. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we, he had created it and was constantly running on the background to be able to kind of look in. And 
You know, in all honesty, too, we had built it for there was another piece that we did. And of course, I'm just going to be able to share that what's going on. We had a client that was kind of going in and he was using it on the book side. Like he was like, hey, can we go in and be able to we have people that are pre pre buying books. And I want to be able to go in and we can't if I'm selling a book to Amazon, I can't take all those pre orders and then be able to dump it in. So what we were doing was to be able to randomize IPs to be able to then be able to use the pre-orders and then buy the books on Amazon so they all hit on the same day. So that was the other reason why we had put that in play. Oh, yeah, it's a form of a bot, you know, because Amazon has, a, I know that from a book perspective, you know. Yeah, so in all honesty, those were the reasons why we were yeah. using it to be able to kind of search in for certain clients, but then we found out that there was an opportunity to be able to go in on that. Yeah, like a good friend of mine, Kevin Harrington, the original shark from Shark Tank, his book, Mentor to Millions, came out just a, a couple months ago. And as a friend, I'm like, dude, I'll buy 300 books to help you out because he was going, you know, for Wall Street Journal bestseller, maybe New York Times bestseller. And in order to have those pre-orders with Amazon actually affect the amount of books that they'll carry at launch, you know, we had we had to do this convoluted method because even though it was still 300 books, if we just went to Amazon and bought it, it would have counted as one purchase. Exactly. Which is the exactly. stupidest thing, even though he just sold legitimate. I paid for him all 300 yeah. books I paid for him because I gave him his gifts. But right. it doesn't count, exactly. right? It doesn't count as that. So you, we, that's what we were trying to be able to do is yeah. like, okay, how do we randomize IPs to be able to go through? And that was the only way we were able to be able to figure that out. So it wasn't for any nef nefarious purposes or like a lot of people that are going out to do that. It was truly trying to get around an algorithm. And I mean, that's kind of what we were using that for. And I love that you kind of put in, you talked about Kevin Harrington too. Do, I mean, if I had known that you were, like Kevin's on Clubhouse every Thursday talking about oh, yeah. a million. Units. So yep. Um, you know, I'm on, I'm up there with them every Thursday That's going cool. in. So I'll make sure I text you or go in. Cause we'd love to have you in that room. Too. Yeah, absolutely, man. I just had breakfast with them a couple weeks ago too. Yeah. So you definitely yep. should be up there. Awesome. I love it, brother. So last piece, family, you yeah. have kids, right? I do. Yeah. How old are they? Uh, my son's 11 and my daughter's eight. Awesome. Well, she's, she's turning nine here shortly. That's so. cool. Yeah. They're just a little, I have twin 13 year olds and then an 11 year old. And yeah. it's, uh, how is the the entrepreneur side? How is it like ingrained in them because they're around you so much? What do you see in that? So these are the things, right? I mean, and this is where I kind of went through a, a, a life reset in my past too, because I had realized that I was always a big fan. When my son 11 years ago was born, I moved from my office back into the house because I wanted to be able to be that, that entrepreneur that whatever I said, I if I couldn't say in front of him, I shouldn't say it at all because I want them to be around like, I'm amazed they haven't walked in while we're doing this podcast. They've, they've learned over the years, right? To be able to come in, but they know to listen, to walk, walk in and stuff like that. But, you know, those are the things I started off at a young age. I wanted my kids to be able to come in. I see it in my son. He's, he understands the situations, can be able to see that. And I mean, he'll use it anywhere. Like, I, I hate to say it, like, we let him play Fortnite once. It's a free game. And then all of a sudden now, I think I've actually, you know, given him like $400. He's convinced me as an entrepreneur <laughs> to buy things that like, and I'm like, wait a minute, this was a free game. Yes. Somehow it's the most expensive video game I've ever, you know, purchased in my life. But, you know, these are the things, right? I see that in them during Christmas. My daughter, she's more of the, the athlete and things like that. So she went and climbed trees and they found, um, I'm saying rosemary in my head. What is, why can't I think of what it is? You, over, you put up your head, you kiss. Um, oh, mistletoe. mistletoe? Yeah. Mistletoe. Yeah. So they climbed up in a tree, got mistletoe, 
We all know it's a little poisonous, but you don't eat it. <laughs> and I mean, they were on the side it's of ironic, the road. Yeah. Yeah. They sold almost $200 just by climbing up a tree, $200 of random mistletoe. <laughs> so I see it in them. I see they, they go through it, but then they'll put it back on me too. They understand, they're able to be able to read a situation and it's almost like they're manipulating the situation. They're like, it might be my son, like, oh, dad, I, I, I manipulated you. I'm like, well, that's not being an entrepreneur. Like, let's just be a hundred percent. Like, I get that you can read the situation, but how do you use this in a fashion that actually works to your advantage? You know, and not just your advantage, but the person that you're working with at the same time. So, yeah, man, I see it all the time. Um, and I tell them, I said, look, you know, that's fine. You can be an entrepreneur, but you better be making a job. You're not going to be, you know, at dad's house your entire, because my dad was like, I'm just going to play video games and I'm going to live, live with you and, and mom. I'm like, no, I don't think that's going to work. You're, you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, and you, you know, that's fine, but you need to be able to have a job that actually pays and you need to be on your own being able to do that. Yeah, stuff. for sure. Entrepreneur. <laughs> Dude, I've had those conversations with college age students as well you know it's like what what does it mean to be an entrepreneur rick it means that you put in more hours than anybody else it doesn't mean that you just float around you have a job somewhere else you know it's you know i have a phrase called burn the net you know and it's just that's what you have to do because if you're not all in and what you're going after then it just doesn't freaking matter then you have this safety net that's always there that you can always fall back on and becomes a reason for you not to go after your dreams right and that's what we had so many people. I mean, this is in the last decade, like being an entrepreneur was so cool. And we're seeing that kind of come back in because it was too easy for people to be able to go in and be able to create a website, be able to monetize it like in, in 10 minutes. Like you can have an, a website up and be able to take money. You and I come from this. I mean, I remember having servers. I had spent a half a million dollars building a server farm. And I mean, I was excited back in the day that I was like, yeah, I have my servers in LA. They're right next to PlayStation servers and things like that. You don't even have to worry about those things, but we had to be able to go through this whole process to be able to build our companies. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing the issue with the entrepreneurs of today. And I'm hoping that they're listening. And I hope that you and I can be able to instill those values in them that everything, if it's too easy, it's not worth doing. You've got to be able to, be able to put that time, the energy, that effort because that's what's really valuable. Understanding that to learn from your pitfalls and to be able to jump and be able to build. And in, if you think there's a safety net, like you were saying, you're never going to be able to achieve the level that you can, and you're never going to be able to affect the world on, the, on a global scale that we all can do. You just have to be able to understand that you have to be able to put yourself out there and be able to want it more than else. That's a great spot, man, to end this. I love that. Thank you. Joshua Lee, standoutauthority.com. And on LinkedIn, you all heard it earlier, Joshua B. Lee. <laughs> Don't hit him up with bots. Thanks, dude, for being on. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.